Um, Today we're starting a new series, New Chapter, Same Hope, and you might notice our nice yard signs behind me. We we made some yard signs. (laughs) And really what we're talking about today, listen, this is... Um, it's been an interesting year, hasn't it? And, and leading up to this election time, it, it seems like there's so much going on in so many different places that people find their hope. And, and, and really in this series, we just want to make sure that we as the people of God are finding our hope in Jesus Christ and nowhere else. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever found yourself way too emotionally invested in something that, that didn't deserve that amount of attention or investment. Have you ever found yourself there? Um, I, I've told you this story before. It's one of my favorite stories. Robert and I had the opportunity to go to a Detroit Lions game. I'm not a Lions fan. Do we have any Lions fans in here? <laughs> I don't think that was a yes. Okay, we got one. All right. So I went to a, a Lions game. It was a, it was a night game. I don't remember if it was, it was probably a Monday night or a Thursday night game, but, but we went and it was the Lions versus the Green Bay Packers. And we were sitting in one of the end zones and, and the Lions have a troubled history as an organization. Um, they've had a hard time. Um, and, and so w- one of the teams that, that kind of beats up on them a lot is the Green Bay Packers. And so we went to this game, and there was Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and the Lions played awesome. And they were ahead in this game, and everything was going good to the point that, that the Lions were ahead with like 20 seconds left, and the Packers had the ball like in their own, like by their own end zone. They had to go the whole length of the field, and pretty much the game was over. You wouldn't have known that by the people that were sitting around us, the Lions fans. They weren't so confident in that. But Robert and I were very confident that the game was over, so we wanted to get a jump start on traffic. So we started making our way out, and the entrance was on the other side, and the exit was on the other side of the stadium. So we were in one end zone, and and the exit was on the other side. So we left our seats, and we started leaving. We were walking out just saying, man, we can't believe that the Packers are going to lose to the Lions tonight. And, And all of a sudden, right when we're getting towards the exit, we look over and the way that that stadium is built is that it's just open and you can kind of see the end zone from the side. And so we, we look over and all of a sudden, you guys, if you're a sports fan, if you're a, you know, an NFL fan, you'll remember this moment. The Packers, who were losing with like 20 seconds left, all hope was lost. All of a sudden, we look over and Aaron Rodgers has just heaved a Hail Mary, which, which basically means he's just thrown the ball up in the air as far as he can, just hoping one of his guys will come down with it. So Aaron Rodgers throws it about 40, 50 yards, and Richard Rodgers, which was their tight end, not a great player in the NFL, he jumps up at the goal line, catches it in the middle of six or seven guys, and falls backward into the end zone. And the Packers scored, and the Lions lost on the last play of the game. And as we walked out of the stadium, I mean, you should have heard the things that people were saying. Like when, have you ever read in scripture when people are are mourning, and it says that they tore their clothes, and they yelled out, and they were... That's what we were dealing with. That's the closest thing I've ever seen to biblical mourning. Like people were just yelling out, why? And this one guy, we're walking out and he's walking right next to us. And he says, why has God turned from us? We can never get what we want. Why are we cursed? 
And, and I know that's a funny story. I know it's silly to think that somebody could be so emotionally invested in a football game or a football team. But in all honesty, I, I think we find ourselves putting way too much attention and way too much faith and way too much hope in things that, that aren't the be-all, end-all all the time. Uh, it's, it's been a crazy year. And, and this year, I have watched and I have even been guilty of as people put their hope and people put their attention and people put their faith and their trust in the wrong things. It seems like now, and it seems like more than ever, I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems like people have to be right now more than I ever can remember. If, if we're disagreeing on something, it seems like people can't disagree anymore. Like everybody has to be right, and we can't live together if, if, if I can't be right. And there are a lot of people that put their hope and their trust in being right one, one thing that stuck out to me, in full transparency, this is something that, that I struggled with, was, was this pandemic. And the idea of masks, I mean, how many people have put their hope or their faith or their attention into the response to this pandemic? If you watch the presidential debates or if you watch any political candidate, all they talk about is, well, if I was leading, then this wouldn't have happened. If I was leading, this would have been different. If I was leading, and, and it's, it's like we put all of our faith and our hope in our response to a pandemic. And, and I gotta tell you, as a pastor, I am far from perfect. And there were days that I was struggling with hope because I just didn't like where we were. My hope, my emotions, my faith, my trust, we're in the wrong place. And obviously we're coming up, as I just said, to a, a big election in our country. And it seems like there are a lot of people in our country that are putting their faith and their hope and their trust in the results of an election. And, and I just, today as we talk about who we are as a people of God and as we talk about new chapter, same hope, even though it seems like all these things are crazy and different, I want us to understand that nothing has changed. This is a new chapter in the same story and for decades and centuries and millenniums, people have been struggling with putting their hope in the wrong place. There are two kingdoms at work. There are two kingdoms. There's the earthly kingdom, there's politics, there's all of these different things, there's pandemics, there's all of these things, and then there's the kingdom of God. Since before the fall of man, there have been two kingdoms, the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of man, and the kingdom of God. And so what we want to talk about in this series, and, and listen, I, I'm being transparent with you. Listen, I, I hope that each and every one of us can take a good look at our hearts over the next four weeks and make sure that we're putting our hope and our faith in the right place. Because if we're not, we're going to be in big trouble. And so if you want a little preview of what that's going to look like, just look behind me. That's where we need to have our hope. That's where we need to have our faith. That's where we need to have our trust 
and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in the kingdom of God. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah. As I was studying the book of Isaiah, the prophecies that Isaiah had to the people, I, I just looked at it and I thought, man, this is us today. And then so Isaiah is prophesying to the people of Israel, specifically the people of Judah, at a time when they've turned their back on God. And so God has been faithful over and over and over again. God has delivered the Israelites. God has, has sustained them, has provided for them. God has done so much for the people of Israel, but they come to a place where they've turned their back on God, and they're focusing on the earthly kingdom. And all of a sudden, things start to go wrong. And Isaiah comes and prophesies of what's going to happen. See, they've started to turn to idols, not the one true God, the God that was always faithful, but they turned to idols that we're going to talk about today. They started to treat others poorly. They started to uh, oppress the poor. They started to be selfish. And all of a sudden, the people of Israel who were more than anyone else should have known the power and the authority of the holy almighty God, <clears throat> started to trust in other things, started to put their hope in earthly kingdoms. And so Isaiah writes these prophecies of God's judgment, and he lets them know that, hey, if you put your hope and your trust in the wrong place in the earthly kingdoms, you're going to be in big trouble. So as we read this, I want us to examine our hearts. As a church, I want us to examine our heart, and I want us to make sure that our hope is in God's kingdom and not this earthly kingdom. Isaiah 1, verse 4 says, Woe to a sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel, and have turned their backs on him. As I, as I read these passages, I want to ask you a question several times. The people, woe to a sinful nation whose guilt is great, children given to corruption, people that have turned their back on God. Let me ask you a question. Does this sound familiar at all? Listen, in case you thought that this is the first time that people turn their back on God or that, uh, that, that people were sinful, this has been going on since the beginning of time, since the fall of man. And so it says, woe to a sinful nation. Uh, listen, the first thing, that, there's three parts of idolatry that I want to talk about today, and the first one is this. It's the sin of selfishness. It's the idol of self, putting what we want, putting our way, putting our desires, putting us above God. And the people of Israel, the people of Judah specifically, who had been following God, who knew the power of the one true God, started to care more about themselves, what they wanted, their security, their desires, than of God. The, I think it's important that we note that this prophecy right here is not written to the evil nations around God's people. This is written to God's people. So think about this. In that day, there are all these nations that aren't faithful to God, but this is talking about a sinful nation, the people of God. And they've turned their back on God. They're, they're treating each other poorly. They're not living for the kingdom. They're not finding their hope 
and, and, and the Almighty God. They're finding them, their hope in themselves. The judgment goes on in verse 21. It says, see how the faithful city has become a prostitute. She, was once, she, was, she once was full of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Let me ask you a question again. Does this sound familiar? Did you hear that in verse 23? Your rulers are rebels, partners with thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. Listen, this is real today. The power and authority structure in our earthly kingdom way too often is concerned with power and authority and, and there's corruption and there's bribery and, and all of a sudden, in, in verse 23, it says they do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. I don't know about you, but, but oftentimes I see that the powers that be in the earthly kingdom aren't so worried about the oppressed and the hurting. They're worried about their own bank accounts and their own power. And sometimes I feel, and listen, I want you to hear me today, like, I love our country. I do. I love our country. But sometimes I feel that our elected leaders, not just our elected leaders, sometimes I feel like our leaders in our churches, in our cities, in our companies, are more concerned with their own power and authority than the kingdom of God. The first idol is selfishness. The second idol is power. And, and listen, it, it, listen we, we live in a time where there is a lot of selfishness. There are a lot of people that are living for themselves over God. But, but I want to speak to the church right here. Because one thing that I see that I think is an idol for the church today is that the church is way too concerned, way too tied to power and authority. There are far too many Christians that believe the only hope for us is if we, the church, people of faith, can get into power. We can get into those positions of leadership and then everything will work out just fine, but, but that's an idol. That's not God's kingdom. That's the earthly kingdom. Now, listen to me very carefully because I know that this is a hot topic. I know that people care deeply about this. The earthly kingdom is real. The, the powers that be, the political structure is, is, is real. And God can and God does work through the powers of the earthly kingdom. They do matter. But hear me very carefully when I say that we cannot put our faith, our hope, and our trust into something that can't save us. If we think as a church that getting into power over our country is going to save everyone, it's not. The only thing that can save us is the power of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and our lives. And so the people have turned to this idol of power. In fact, the people of Israel started making deals with Egypt, 
with Babylon, with these evil nations. They started to strike deals because they wanted to make sure that they stayed in power. Listen, we're talking about a time that's, it is an important time. The election coming up does matter, and we as the people of God are called to do our very best to bring about justice and peace and love and the kingdom of God. And we need to do that through the way that we vote, through the way that we talk, through the way that we act, through all of it. So do not hear me saying today that this earthly kingdom does not matter. What I'm saying today is this, we can't put our faith and our hope and our trust in something that's temporary. Because over and over and over again, God's kingdom has prevailed. God's kingdom has prevailed through pandemics. God's kingdom has prevailed through poor leadership. God's kingdom has worked and prevailed through great leadership. In fact, we see it in Scripture all the time. Sometimes the powers that be in the earthly kingdom are not faithful to God, but God still uses them to accomplish His purpose. In fact, I've been reading a book called Kings and Presidents. It's by, Jay recommended it to me. Thanks, Pastor Jay. It's by Tim Gaines and Shauna Songer Gaines. And that Tim Gaines is a professor of religion at Treveca where I graduated, and Shauna is the pastor of Treveca Community Church, a church of the Nazarene. And they wrote this book called Kings and Presidents, and it's talking about this political culture. And I thought this quote was really good because it perfectly sums up the way that we as followers of Christ should feel about the election upcoming, about our elected officials. It is right and good to desire that our political leaders have the virtues that God calls forth to transform the world. But the ability of these leaders to enact any kind of true transformation depends on the hand and the blessing of God, not the other way around. Do you get it? We should be concerned with who's in power. We should be concerned with what's going on in the world around us. We should be good citizens of this earthly kingdom by bringing about kingdom principles, the kingdom of God, but we can't think that they will save us. They just won't. They can't. Isaiah 2 goes on in verse 6. It says, you, Lord, have abandoned your people, the descendants of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines and embrace pagan customs. But listen to this next part. Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made, so the people will be brought low and everyone humble. Do not forgive them. Let me ask you a question. Does this sound familiar? The truth of the matter is the people of Israel, the people of Judah, were not at the time going through difficult times. They were in prosperity. They were putting their trust and their hope and their faith in themselves, in power, and they were putting their hope and their faith into prosperity. And they were experiencing it. I think we live in one of the richest nations that's ever existed. I think we don't even, I don't think we have a clue how 
wealthy and prosperous we are. And sometimes our prosperity becomes an idol for us. Sometimes we, as the people of God, think it's more important for us to be wealthy and in in a position of prosperity than to be faithful to God. And there are far too many people that are preaching and buying into a prosperity gospel that what really matters is us being elevated, but that's not the kingdom of God. That's not what we're all about. It's an idol. The idol of self, the idol of power, the idol of prosperity. Listen to me very carefully. Prosperity cannot save you. It's temporary. And you know, I, I hear way too often, I hear way too often that people of God, Christians, it seems like they care more about the prosperity of our economy than trusting in the faithfulness of God. God is faithful even when we are poor. God is faithful even when our country, when our people, when our nations are not prosperous. God still works. Selfishness can't save us. Power can't save us. Prosperity can't save us if we put our hope and our trust in earthly kingdoms. It will lead us to ruin. And this is the message that Isaiah is writing to the people of Israel, a people who were provided for, who were cared for. They had everything they needed in their creator God. And Isaiah is prophesying to them, saying, you got your eyes, you got your heart, you got your mind in the wrong place, and you need to turn it back to Jesus or you're going to be in big, big trouble. The result of putting your trust in earthly things is hopelessness. I don't know if any of you watched the debate the other night. I didn't watch a whole lot of it. But I can tell you that the overall sentiment that I, I heard and felt from people all over the place on both sides of the aisle was a feeling of hopelessness, a feeling of brokenness. Listen, we need to do our very best to be kingdom people in an earthly kingdom. But we're not going to find salvation. We're not going to find salvation in this earthly kingdom by elected officials, by security, by prosperity. It leads us to hopelessness. But there's good news. I told you earlier there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this earth, the kingdom of man, and there's the kingdom of God. Listen to Isaiah chapter 2. It says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above all the hills. All the nations will stream to it. Listen, the kingdom of God is coming. And, I, and don't hear me wrong when I say is coming. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That doesn't mean it's just a future thing. But the kingdom of God is in existence, and one day it will be established here on earth, and all earthly kingdoms and powers will stream to it, will bow to it, because God's kingdom is eternal. 
Isaiah 65, verse 17 says, look, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. Past events won't be remembered. They won't come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I'm creating because I'm creating Jerusalem as a joy and her people as a source of gladness. Let me point out a few words there. Be glad and rejoice forever. Because the earthly kingdoms are temporary, but the kingdom of God is forever. And it says, I'm creating Jerusalem as a joy and her people as a source of gladness. Listen, what should we look like as the people of God in the middle of a difficult year, a difficult election, a pandemic? What should we look like if we're focused on the kingdom of God? We should be a people of joy. We should be a people that bring gladness. Oh, man. (laughs) Far too often, we as followers of Christ are bowing to idols. We're finding our hope and our faith in the wrong things. We got to put our hope in Jesus who brings joy and who makes us a source of gladness. And and so our tendency sometimes is to think, well, that's in the future. That's a long way away. But, But I want you to understand today that you have a choice today, tomorrow, the next day, every day. You can put your hope and your trust in earthly things that are temporary, or you can live and put your hope and trust in the kingdom of God, which is eternal, which has power and authority over all things. One day it will be established here on earth, and every earthly kingdom will bow to it, because God's kingdom has all the power and all the authority Listen, we have a choice today. God's kingdom is not just a future reality. It's alive and well right now. And we, as the people of God, are not to be like the Israelites who turned their back, who worshiped idols, who were more concerned with themselves, were more concerned with their power, were more concerned with their prosperity than they were faithfulness to God. Today, we need to choose between the kingdoms of this earth or the kingdom of God. And listen, we live in the kingdoms of this earth. We're not getting out of that right now, but what we need to live for, what we need to be changed by, what we need to bring, put our hope in is God's eternal kingdom. And so Isaiah ends in verse 22 of chapter two with this phrase, stop trusting in mere humans who have but breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? Let me ask you a question this morning. Where is your trust? Where is your hope? And it's it's easy to say my my trust and my hope are in God, but, but let me ask you a question. What does your Facebook profile say that your trust is in? What do the words you say to others say about where you put your trust and your hope? What does the way that you treat others, how does the way you treat others, how does, where where do you put your trust and your hope? Sometimes I, I get caught up putting my trust and hope in the wrong things, and it can only lead to brokenness and pain. So these election days, signs are a big thing. As you drive around you know, you, you see signs in people's yards. 
And I know not everybody puts election signs in their yards. I know not everybody does that. But, but the truth is we're big on signs. We're big on, on identifying ourselves. There, there's a lot of different ways to identify yourselves. If, if you drive around today and you see signs, be honest. When you see that sign, you think something about the person who has the sign there, whether it's good or bad. But it's not just political signs. It's not just yard signs. What we post on Facebook, it doesn't take very long to see where a person puts their hope and their trust by looking at their Facebook page. It doesn't take long listening to someone talk to know where they put their hope and their trust. There are people that put their hope and their trust in their prosperity. There are people that care about their power. There are people that find their identity in their sexuality. There are people that find their identity and labels like conservative, liberal, millennial, boomer, whatever it is. Signs are a big thing for us. And so what I want you to see back here, and what I hope we will choose as the people of God, is to make sure that our identity, that our faith, that our trust is put in none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. There is no other way to have hope, real hope, all else will lead to ruin. As we wrap up this time together, as we respond to God's word together, I want to call you to a choice. I, we're going to do something that we do as a church every month, and, and we're going to do it every week this month because, because we have a choice whether we're going to be a part of the earthly kingdom or God's kingdom. And one of the greatest examples we have of somebody living for God's kingdom is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we're going to take communion together. And as we take communion, I want you to understand that Jesus didn't come to this earth more than anybody else in the history of time. He had authority to claim the throne and claim power. More than anyone else, he had the authority and the power to make himself rich. He could have been anything he wanted. But he chose to be a suffering servant. He chose to live for God's kingdom. He gave his life he ultimately died for the will of his Father to build the kingdom. And so as we prepare for communion this morning, I want you to hear God's word in Matthew 26. If you didn't grab communion elements in the back, please go grab them now. They're right back on those tables. Go, you can go grab them while I'm talking. It's fine. But in Matthew 26, Jesus, fully God, fully man, Jesus, the one that is above every other name, sits at a table with his disciples. And it says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. Listen, we're not going to take these right now. I want you to hold these, and I want you to take these in response on your own, but I want you to hear God's word right now. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. As we respond to God's word today, as we respond, I want to ask you which kingdom you're putting your faith and your hope in. And as we take communion, I hope that you'll understand that our Savior and our Lord gave everything, everything, so that we could be a part 
of God's kingdom. And so as we sing this song, I just want you to think about it. I want you to examine your heart. I want you to examine your mind and your life. And if there are areas of your life that you have been focusing on the wrong thing, you've put your emotions, your heart, your mind on the wrong thing, I want you at the start of this series to say, I want to be all about Jesus. I want to be all about God's kingdom. I want what's eternal. So as we sing, I want to invite you to take communion whenever you're ready. The bread is in the top part. You just peel it off and take the bread and then peel the next layer and the juice is there. But this is the body of our Lord broken for you, his blood that was shed for you. And my prayer today is that each and every one of us will give everything we have to live for the kingdom. Jesus, speak to us. Call out areas of our life that are misdirected. Call out the areas of my life that are, are not for your kingdom. Help us not to worship idols, Lord. Help us not to be focused on ourselves. Help us not to put our focus on things that can't save us, but help us to give everything we have as you did for your kingdom, for your glory. We love you, Jesus. Speak to us now.